and welcome to episode of the Nintendo Tamp Podcast. I am Triforce Todd. Join me today, very tired and fresh off the boat from New York Comic Con, it's Wario Will! Yep, yep, that's that. That's me. I just came back from from the first day, and even though it's the first day of New York Comic Con on, on a Thursday, it is still quite hectic, and I am more or less drained from from the ex uh, expedition of it all, especially it's with the, the autographs. <laughs> yeah, you can probably call, call it an experience as well. And as yeah. well, heck, we're in the middle of the month. Hey, why well, no? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I've been so busy with stuff that I honestly. First, I forgot it was Thursday multiple times today. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I have so many friends at New York Comic Con. And there's talking about all these things that have happened. I've had to write about it for multiple websites. And it's like, okay, yeah, this is a, this is a big thing. And then Will was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to make it home. No, I'm going to make it home, guys. And it's okay. So uh, also here is Skull Kid Scott. Yeah, I don't have to be in New York today. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to New York Comic Con. Like, I've thought about it multiple times but and but the, every time i have applied i've gotten rejected for artist alley which is fine but uh i i will not go there just to be a fan like that is way too expensive and, <laughs> and if we're being blunt i would have to stay with a friend and i don't think will would want me over <laughs> i mean if anything else yes definitely get invited over art be it artist alley exhibitor whatever it may be i mean heck even as us press people or pro badges out there like yeah. it's yeah it can get expensive real i mean it's conventions of course but of course. like it can get ex expensive real yeah. quick so, i mean I i'll be blunt so like it autographs themselves as well as with the little shopping in artist alley uh, i spent about like 235 dollars at the moment right now dude so, you, you would love my friend Leia. I mean, love as in you both are big money spenders. Because <laughs> I'll I'll take her to a con. Like, let's just say C2E2, which, you know, is a big con. And she's like, oh, yeah, I have, like, 400 bucks for the whole weekend. I'm like, okay, go have fun. She goes, bye. So I'm at my table. She's roaming the floor. She'll come back to me, like, three hours later. And she goes, here's my wallet. I'm like, why? I've already spent $300. I'm like, dang it, woman. <laughs> and she does that all the time and even when she goes like oh i'm gonna moderate and i'm gonna you know not uh you know spend as much today i'm like good for you she comes back yeah i'm broke <laughs> and then, but they and have then, four and then has kirby plushes no <laughs> actually she doesn't get the plushes but she gets like a bunch of art uh she she does uh she actually got a tattoo with ctv2 once with the slitter the ring banner okay oh it, it actually looks really good like and she's diehard slytherin you know, she even has a Tom Riddle cosplay. She totally rocks it. <laughs> but, like, that's what she does, like, every time. And then she's, like, mad when she doesn't have more money at the end. I'm like, well, you spent it all. She goes, well, I know. And then guess who has to pay for, like, the food and all the other stuff? This guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another rule, the staple rule of conventions. Budget yourself. And thankfully, yeah, I have. Uh, yes, in this case, like I'm trying to like at least try to keep around at least one paycheck if anything else. So yeah, I'm the opposite problem because usually when I'm there, I'm focused solely on like selling my stuff. So I'm not interested in buying a whole bunch of things. So I usually have to force myself to splurge on myself just to have something nice. Yeah, like, you're, you're, like you're the shopkeeper there. Yes, like, I, for you selling your own your own uh, comics as well, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So like that EV plushie, I almost missed out on that because I hesitated. Uh, I got a Zack Snyder's Justice League Superman statue, which is the best movie ever, Tyler. Did you hear that? Snyderverse! Anyway, uh, I, he can hear me. I can hear him groaning. 
Um, <laughs> just like I groan every time the Sixers play. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but like, like that one was like, I had to buy it. I was like, I saw it. I loved it. I'm like, I need it. I need it right now. And I was like, I was so proud of myself. And then I actually opened up the box and the statue is like a lot smaller than it should have been. Like, <laughs> the box was like three times the size of the statue. I'm like, then why do we need that big of a box? <laughs> to make you think it's bigger. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it wasn't, it was, you know, I got it on sale. It was almost, it was originally 160 bucks. I got it for 80 and, you know, it's a good, it's a good detailed statue, but, you know, I've gotten smaller statues for around the same price and, you know, just say, Evie was totally worth it though. That was only forty bucks, but yeah. So uh, I, I can respect your uh, your spending, and at times I honestly wish I was more like you in this very specific context. Because <laughs> let's I believe be honest. Also, yeah. Also, yeah. New York Comic Con. There was also one like one cosplayer that you followed that's also going to be appearing on Saturday. So yeah, that's also another one. So overall, there is definitely something to be looking forward to. So, Wait, what was that about the cos- I, I, What was that about the cosplayer? Uh, it was like one one of the cosplayers that like should be cosplaying as Melina, if I recall correctly. So yeah. Oh, cool. So yeah, but I definitely want to hear more of your uh, Comic Con adventures throughout the weekend. So post lots of pictures. So uh, oh, and Faith sadly could not be here with us tonight, which is why, in her honor, we are going to dedicate the rest of this podcast to making fun of Chris Pratt in as many ways as possible. It's gonna be great. Starting with, what hasn't Chris Pratt been playing? Mario! We know he hasn't been playing Mario! Ah, I can hear I can hear Faith in the background. Oh, Tom, why are you doing this to me? Because I can, Faith. That's what older brothers do. I ruin everything that you love. <laughs> that was funny. Laugh. Come on. Will's got an excuse. He's tired. You're not tired, Scott. There you go. All right. Well, we do have a fun little show for you tonight. And even without Faith here. So let's get all started with, what have you been playing? I'm going to go first because I actually have been playing stuff this week. Even though, once again, time just... Ugh, like, why can't I just have a not busy week? Like, what's so wrong with that? But uh, I had to review multiple things this week, including the... Uh, what, did I call, what did they call it? The, CIA, the CDKR, whatever... Uh, Nitro Deck, the uh, peripheral for the Nintendo Switch. And uh, the review is up on the site right now if you want the, the CRKD, sorry. The CRKD Nitro Deck. And basically, if you want like a bigger, I don't even want to call it, like a bigger controller, a bigger base for your Nintendo Switch system, this is the one for you. It's got a good heft to it. The buttons are bigger. There's customization. Sorry, customization options you can uh, implement. It's an interesting piece. Personally, it's not for me. Mainly because I'm fine with just the OG stuff. But uh, for those who want, you know, a better grip, more options, you know, not having to worry about, you know, breaking. or And then this one doesn't have any Joy-Con drift. Like, that was one of the biggest features mm-hmm. was no Joy-Con drift because of how the controllers are set up. So... You won't obviously know that ahead of time. <laughs> I, I can't test that in the long term, but they promise it's not a thing. So, okay. I, tr- I totally trust the manufacturer's promise. What's possibly gone wrong with that in the past? So, uh... Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I gave it a four out of five. 
it's definitely for those who want a more customizable experience. So if you're fine with your Joy-Cons, you don't really need it. You really don't. If you're someone who has liked what the Steam Deck feels like and you want something like that for your Switch, this could be for you. Um, I can't remember how much it's priced, but it's technically less than the Joy-Cons, so that's something to consider. Uh, but I, as I was testing that, I had to actually like you know play games with it to see how it worked. What a concept! Um, so I played some Pokemon Scarlet and Violet with Fade. We we caught some more Pokemon together. I have officially beaten the main content that they had. I uh because there was the the main storyline which I'd already beaten, but there was the parent side quest where you could get the uh, Ursaluna Blood Moon form. So I want to rage about that for a second. Because <laughs> so here's what happened. So I go on, I go into this fight, and I didn't save ahead of time because I'm like, I have a good team. What could this Ursa Lunar do to me? <laughs> so it has an attack called Blood Moon. Great name, by the way. And it will one shot you. It will one shot you, even if it's not super effective. It will one shot you. And so what it would do is it would do Blood Moon, and then do uh, Sword Dance. No, not Sword Dance. Yeah, I was sort of, it doesn't matter. It did want a power-up move, so it would get better special attack and speed or whatever. And so it would do Blood Moon, Sword Dance. Blood Moon, Sword Dance, Blood Moon, Sword Dance. And so I would uh, attack during one, heal during the other, and just keep going. And by dumb luck, I had burned it, so it was losing health as I was slowly damaging it. And eventually I got to where it was like a fraction of a fraction away from death and it even got burned and should have been knocked out but for whatever reason it didn't so I'm at my last Pokemon and I'm like okay I could do a max revive right here and make sure that I get a Pokemon just in case this doesn't work or I can attack because I know it's going to use Blood Moon and I'm like nah I can do this I can do this so I hit an attack and it has no effect because of typing Oops. <laughs> so I lose, I black out, lose some money, and I have to start all over again. And then on the second round, it does a completely different attack pattern. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and thankfully, because of that attack pattern, it wasn't like boosting itself constantly. I was actually able to knock it out much quicker. But it was, it was like, I was, I, I lost so much. Like, like, I lost four max revives, uh, like 10 grand, which doesn't matter. I was already rich. But. I was just like, this is so dumb. <laughs> it shouldn't be this strong. And again, I'm at like level 80 with some of my Pokemon, and it was one-shotting them with ease. Like, Jeez. what the heck? So that that was the thing. But like, I got it. I captured it. It really is a cool-looking Pokemon. Perrin's a nice character. I like her. We're definitely going to see her again in uh, Indigo Disc. And uh, the gameplay worked fine on the Nitro deck, but the ba there's back buttons. And I wasn't told that I could program them ahead of time because I didn't read the instruction manuals because I'm a guy. And men <laughs> do not read instruction manuals. I'm like, it's a controller. What, what do I really need to read? So, uh, I, I, and so the back buttons were instantly programmed with options uh, adhered to the game. And so I'm accidentally pressing the buttons like all the gosh dang time. And yep. it's so annoying. Yep. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> So Welcome that was... to the back pedals. <laughs> I know, and I hated it. And they're like, oh, you can turn them off. Well, no one told me that. There's no, like, hey, do you want to customize your Nitro deck before you play the game? Yes, I would totally love to do that. No, they didn't tell me that at all. How dare I have to read instructions on how to use a controller? <laughs> Gosh dang you. That's why I got it. That's why I gave it a one out of five. No, I didn't. I gave it a four out of five. <laughs> I almost, I seriously, I legit almost gave it a three. 
And then I actually looked up some reviews from other people, and they actually explained some of the more nuances that was not told to me ahead of time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can explain. I, uh, that explains why some people would like this. So I gave it a four. <laughs> but cause I, cause, uh, it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work the, for me. But for others, I know it will work. But then the other thing I played was uh, Tetris 99. I jumped back into that. And if you recall last week, no, I can't remember if I talked about it last week. No, I didn't play anything last week. So uh, I jumped into it, and my first game, I did a 17. Got 17th place, which isn't bad. Then the second game, I got third place. <laughs> I was so proud. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is my second game in, like, years. Yeah. And I'm, I'm crushing it. So I had some time uh, the other day, and I'm like, okay, let's just sit down and just play Tetris 99 forever. And I'm like, okay, I'll probably get, like, fifth place this time and i got like 30th and i'm like okay it's fine it's just you know luck of the draw and like the next time i got lower than that and lower than that and then i got higher than that and i got lower than that i got all the way down to 70 and i'm like how did i lose at 70 i'm really good at this i really am I'm, i've won tetris 99 multiple times but like that's just the way the game works and i love it that way because if you can get into a rhythm you can crush the blocks but if you make a mistake or they hit you with a enough pile up you're screwed and that's the randomness of it all and i love it and i'll probably play it more tonight when i have the chance but uh, i did get back up into the higher rankings like my last game was a 18 i believe so there's just something cathartic about it even when you're <laughs> stressing about getting the blocks because you just you just want to get into that rhythm. Okay, put this block here, put this block here, put this block here. And it's just so much fun. And then when you get stressed and you're like, okay, I need to hyper-focus here. And I have had some situations where I'm like right near the top and I've gotten the right blocks at the right time and I've brought it all the way back down. And then other times where I'm like one block away and the whole stack rises and I lose. I'm like, I was so close. <laughs> I was so close. So... If you haven't played Tetris 99, and for the record, that, that game came out like how many years ago? And I could still easily get a, a matchup with 98 other people. Like, that, mean, that just shows how popular it still yeah. is. I mean, it still Tetris, has people. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Tetris is still a very good game. <laughs> yeah, like this this is the 99 title I appreciate. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> I don't need Pac Man. I certainly don't need F Zero. Um, but like Tetris, like this was an inspired idea. Like, heck yeah, I'll put my skills against other people, and I've done pretty dang well, and I, I will enjoy playing it up until Mario Brothers Wonder comes out. So, But that's a topic for later. <laughs> so, uh, Will, outside of your experiences in New York Comic Con, what have you been doing recently? Uh, personally, for me, I, it's more or less uh, continuing on my slate tracks regarding to uh, Disguise 7. I am currently in Chapter 2 right now, nice. in which uh, I've been meaning uh, the, the equivalent of Ieyasu Tokugawa, the Shogunate, <laughs> and a voice by Zeno Robinson. And just as expected, uh, Nipo Iji Software in Disguise 7 is just absolutely bonk, absolute bonkers, <laughs> especially with that uh, new character. Um, I think ah, I forgot her name, but yeah, like if you make marriage and chapter sec, uh, two, then you would know. But yeah, this guy's having overall just in great times overall. Overall, uh, of course, and actually, um, with the new season as well, with the holiday season, the Halloween season coming as uh, at the moment right now, um, the new uh, fall pass for uh, for Fall Guys, which it's not as great. It didn't have like any um collaboration costumes within the past like um sam porter bridges of uh the, the, 
of uh, uh, Death Stranding or like Bomberman. I know that Bomberman is like a separate, and now uh, it's just kind of like it's just basic uh, costumes and such. So not not too great, but eh, if there's something that you want, then okay, more fucking four guys for you. And of course, uh, Fire Emblem Heroes is just basically continue with the grind, go on that. Nothing really too major at the moment right now. I know like the recent uh, Halloween banner, they had like the double Anna, which is okay, fine, and all that. But that, I think it was like a few weeks ago now. So, and I think we're getting ready for a new banner, if I recall correctly. I don't know. So there's that. But uh, as far as I'm not, it's just like, yeah, it, it's pretty much the same. I'll say about the most part. Nothing new. Again, getting ready for um, some more RPG next month. So there's that. That's, 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 but that's, nothing nothing too uh, out, out there with me at the moment right now. Is there all of that? I know. Like, I'm really in a, like, a weird lull. And I know some of you might think, wait, wait a minute, Todd, weren't you playing Starfield? I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah like, <laughs> like, like. Here's the thing. Like I remembered after we did the podcast last week, I'm like, wait a minute, I did play something. I played Starfield for like an hour or so, didn't I? Like I had to struggle to remember that I was playing Starfield. Yes, uh, if everything else, I mean, Starfield is just. Bleh. It, it's like, again, like I saw some people saying, like, this is the game of our generation. I'm like, you must have so much free time on your hands. So that you could dive into all of this. I don't. Not anymore. Okay. I got, I got new jobs. I got other things to deal with. And even with like no television, because we're, we're, we're dealing with the, the strike still. Even with all this no, not television that I don't have to, I'm not watching. I still don't have time to play Starfield and dive into it like apparently some of you have. So bully for you, but for this guy and others, it's not as exciting as some of you have made it out to be. <laughs> ah. <laughs> all right. Scott, how about you? Alrighty, so I did start playing a well, more of a demo build of a game, but it's called the Kamibako Mythology of Cube. Huh. You made that hey, up. Cool. Huh? You made that up. That's a fake title. You know what? I thought it was fake too until I clicked on the Steam page, but <laughs> it's actually interesting. They tried to incorporate a bunch of different like gameplay mechanics into a game. They made like a puzzle mechanic. They made like a team, like a town simulation where you can build and create towns and invite npcs to live there they also have normal jrpg as well as like uh like a cube puzzler so that you can like map make and match cubes in order to solve some of the problems of what's known as like the fragmentation it's kind of cool that they added so many concepts to the the game i only is only the demo isn't all that long though but it was fun just to try out what they did have of the demo um, other than that, I've basically been going through the story stuff I've missed of Genshin as well as Honkai Star Rail. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, this past week has been like everyone I know has now been getting Baldur's Gate 3 on PlayStation. So ah, okay, 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 <laughs> I've been getting so many people asking me to play Baldur's Gate with them. And so I have been playing a lot of the first act of Baldur's Gate again. <laughs> ah, all right. Which, I mean, Baldur's Gate 1 is what uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is one of those games where you could just continuously play over and over and over again and just not be bored oh for sure for sure just like a lot of things from like again the dark urge route to just plain old routes i mean it's just a lot of like, the the possibilities and how much they have wrote in the script itself yeah that that's how i felt with mass effect ads one time like i was i kid you not i once did a dark shepherd route 
because Brett Favre and the Vikings had lost the NFC Championship game in like the most bullcrap way ever. And I was just so <laughs> angry at how he lost. I'm like, screw it. I'm going back into Mass Effect. I'm doing Dark Shepherd route. And it was so vindicating. I'm just like, oh, I could kick this guy out of window. Do it. <laughs> so, it's like, you're not going to do anything. Bang. And then they all like look menacingly down the down the shaft that he kicked him down like you sure about that like ah dark shepherd <laughs> so much fun anyway uh also in, in terms of the anime I, I know this isn't nintendo related but it's something i definitely want to talk about really quickly death battle has revealed their next combatants and um <laughs> oh I mean, it's very appropriate for Will because of New York Comic Con, but uh, we're getting we're getting Gojo versus Makima, everybody. So for yeah. Oddly enough, as well, yes, uh, I did meet Gojo's uh, VA uh, KD Tang and got his autograph. And as well, uh, while Susie Yang's not, Susie Yang's not uh, um, doing autographs, but she is making an appearance at the Square Enix panel this coming Saturday. So yeah, Makima is also going to be there, well, there and you go. yeah, the, the cast of uh, Chainsaw Man is actually there as well. So yeah, yeah ironically enough. See, I, I've, this matchup I've heard of for at least the last year or so because of the popularity of Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, which took me forever to figure out how to say, by the way. And that yeah. Chainsaw Man was the big thing of this year, like early part of the year. And I was like, okay, I can understand why these characters might I go against one another. And then as like the the fan bases like grew in my like timelines and ever, I'm like, oh. They like them for much different reasons. They, it's not they, their power set. No, it's something not their power sets. They like one because they think the dude is hot, and they like the other because they want to be dominated by her. And I'm like, that's very anime. Yep. Like, nah. Meh. What, you're not, not a Makima fan, Will? Uh, personally, I'm a power kind of girl. I mean, kind of power guy. That says so much. <laughs> that says so much. <laughs> Please, like, look, you want to be go go full of Denji and actually go freaking want, just go wow, 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 wow. Like, by all means, that's that's your prerogative. But honestly, I think power is definitely more more better in in this too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, then. I choose not to watch and not be infected by the insanity that I'm told this show and manga is. So I'm good. <laughs> now, Jujutsu Kaisen I might eventually watch because I hear it's a really beautifully rendered anime. It's beautiful, so, but it also pretty darn messed up as well. Okay, then, yeah, I probably won't watch that one either. Okay. <laughs> I have a limit, people. All right? I, Respect like, your limits. Or, or, thank you. Like, hey, I... Like I've even my Hero Academia gets dark in what they sometimes do oh, sure, with sure, sure, characters. Sure. Like yeah, they, they, there's overhaul. no way that some of them should have survived what they did. Okay, watch the last movie, Royal Heroes Mission. Like Bakugo <laughs> gets impaled like five different times, and he's still yelling at them to shut up. And I'm like, you can you can collapse now, buddy. Like you you you've lost a lot of blood. It's like scary yeah, our blood. Fight. <laughs> <laughs> Are we sure the explosion isn't like well, the explosion quirk isn't just like powering up his veins or whatever, so he doesn't need the blood? <laughs> like the explosion is his blood, you know. There's a quirk for you. Uh, and yes, I acknowledge that probably nothing anime can do can top what's going on in Gen Five with the boys, or sorry, Gen V with the boys. Like I, I found out about that scene recently, and like, yeah, they probably did do that, didn't they? If you don't, if you know, you know. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave it there. But uh, yeah, uh, they, like they're excited for this one, and I'm excited to hear how it's gonna be rendered because there's a serious divide about who's going to win this because of the context of their powers. 
So not to mention, it's just going to be interesting to see how they actually talk about characters like Makima. <laughs> she's, you know, evil, <laughs> among other things. So, I'm putting it nicely by saying she's evil. <laughs> so anyway. All right, and with that, we are going to talk about the news because there's been a very interesting supply of stuff to discuss. So, it's time to go down the war pipe. And first, an answer to something I know many of you have been wondering about, but I guarantee you you're going to have more questions than answers after I explain <laughs> what it is. All right, so Tears of the Kingdom current game of the year front runner i will hear nothing else okay oh uh, what about starfield do you, do you want to get shot like seriously do you, starfield really <laughs> start well, you know like playoffs playoffs starfield Star, <laughs> starfield no uh actually i'm actually very interested in what the nominees will be because especially with the next week where we're getting uh mario wonder which many people are praising and marvel spider-man too you know, there is stiff competition this year. Like it, it, Oh, so much. There is. Like Originally, it was just like, oh, yeah, like Tears of the Kingdom, Game of the Year, it, it, infinitely. And then it's just like, you know, like Final Fantasy 15 came out. No, sorry, 16 came out. And, you know, Spider-Man 2 has potential. Wonder might be a surprise hit or, like, you know, hit on the critics' standpoint. It's just like, okay, maybe it's not as infinite as it was before. <laughs> which is great. That means it's a great year of gaming. Okay. So we can, I can live with that. Too anyway. great a year. <laughs> too great a year. Uh, I don't know yet. Last year was pretty great too. Anyway. Um, so in Tears of the Kingdom, one of the big things that fans, including myself, were curious about was what happened to the Sheikah Slate and all the technology that went along with it because that was a key part of Breath of the Wild. And gosh dang it, I missed the ability to just summon a bomb versus having to find all them dang bomb flowers. All right? I hated that. There were, <laughs> there were multiple times, and then it was like, oh, there's this one route where you can just go and find a whole bunch of bomb flowers. So I'm, like, bombing my way through, and it has to take, like, 20 bombs to get through. And I'm like, this is not a, a great route if I'm having to blow up 20 bombs just to get, like, five every once in a while. Anyway. So, like, what happened to the Sheikah Slate? Well, now we know. <laughs> now we know. So, uh, director Hidemaru Fubayashi, uh, sorry, Fujibayashi? Anyway, uh, talked to the Telegraph, and he said, basically, they just vanished. <laughs> okay, here's what he fully said. He goes, quote, <laughs> quote, because it's a long one, so bear with me. They disappeared after the calamity was defeated slash sealed. All of the people of Hyrule also witnessed this, but there is no one who knows the mechanism or reason why they disappeared, and it is considered a mystery. It is believed that since the calamity disappeared, they also disappeared as their role had been fulfilled. It is, anyway, commonplace for mysterious events and strange phenomena to occur in Hyrule. Thus, people have simply assumed the reason behind the disappearance to likely be related to the ancient Sheikah technology, and it seems that there is no one who has tried to explore the matter further. The main civilizations in Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom are completely different, so we thought about the game based on concepts that match each of these civilizations, end quote. Ha! <laughs> so, yes, disappear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they, they vanished. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry, that is the biggest butt pull of an answer I have ever yep, had. Yep. Like, okay. If he had just said... You know, they served a purpose. Calamity's gone. They weren't needed anymore. I could buy that on a certain level because of how important the Sheikah Slate was. 
But then he goes, but then he keeps elaborating, like, oh, yeah, the people all saw it disappear, and they just didn't decide to dive into this. Really? <laughs> no one. Not like, oh, I don't know, Zelda, who was very, very attached to the Sheikah technology, or Pura, and her, who's the other guy? Pura and... Um, Robbie. Robbie, who, like, yeah. dedicated themselves for a hundred years <laughs> to learning more about the Sheikah technology. Like, they wouldn't dive into this? Really? That that that's what you're going for. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> like like look, I know that in like the best of canologies, there is always like that one event that they don't really explain very well. I mean, if you recall a few weeks back where I talked about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth sending, or uh, sorry, remake sending, where I'm just like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> and even our Square Enix guy couldn't like define it well enough for me to understand it. You know, like, that's bad. But this is just as bad because it's like, you could just said, like, you know, they served a purpose and then they left when they were gone. Okay, fine. But it's like, no, everyone noticed it and they just didn't care that they were gone. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way. And like, oh, yeah, Zelda went to explore, even though she's dedicated much of her life pre calamity to doing exactly that. Sure. Because remember, she relied on the technology more than the magic that was within her. That was her whole arc, was she relied more on the science than her magic. Because she couldn't get it to activate. So she just wouldn't care. Or Pura, especially now that she was de-aged and aged back up. That's still so weird. <laughs> Can we be honest? And I, and I still see Pura art every once in a while. Just like, you do realize she's like 100 and something years old, right? Well, technically Link and Zelda are also that, but I digress. So, like, yeah, you didn't need to go that far. <laughs> You didn't need to go that far to Denmo. So, yeah, there, there's your answer. Good luck with that. <laughs> Sometimes simpler is better, ladies and gentlemen. This is not a bad thing. Okay, next up, we're going to the game that is coming out in one week's time by the time you're listening to this, hopefully. Hopefully, you should be listening to this. We're a great podcast, dang it. Um, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. There's actually been quite a bit of news about this over the last week or so for example if you go to certain let me say it was uh target hold on best buy uh, gamestop target walmart yeah you'll find special demo kiosks that you can play wonder on and multiple fans have given their impressions of it and they love the game they say it plays great, the visual style really pops, the power-ups are really fun, especially Elephant Mario and crew. Um, so if you are near one of those stores, go and check it out. You might get a you might get the chance to play on a demo kiosk. And fun. Yep. <laughs> I know that doesn't sound like much nowadays, but like I know it shows my age, but like that's how we used to do it. True, true. I remember true. playing well, Mario Kart play. seven on the three DS at a Walmart. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just playing games before you buy them right at the store. Ah, man, those were days. Those were the days. I know, and I know I've told this story before, but that's how I got into Fire Emblem. There was a uh, demo kiosk at the the local Meyer, which was like my, an offshoot Walmart chain, and they played the the fight between Grail and the Black Knight, and I was enthralled. Like I was like, you know, like I need to see more of this. And so when it came out on the GameCube, I got it. And that started my love of Fire Emblem just because of that demo. Because this was before my time on the internet. So I didn't understand all about Fire Emblem. Okay? And I remember another time I was at a Walmart and it was Double Dash, I think it was. 
the double dash was on a kiosk. I played it and I tied the top time, tied the top time, time the top time, time the top time. <laughs> uh, and for a contest, I didn't even mean to. I was just playing it with my cousins. And they go, hey, you want to play it again? See if you can win a prize? I'm like, sure. So they had their Walmart expert player come out and do a time. I'm like, okay, let me try and beat that. And then I fail horribly. <laughs> <laughs> so like, but that's the thing. Like, I, was, I wasn't under pressure the first time. I was just trying to do well. And then I, I literally tied their time to the second. Like, that was crazy. So, like, but those were the days when, like, I would, my parents would go shopping and they would leave me in the electronics department so I could play demos while they were doing because I didn't want to walk around the store with them. I would rather play video games, gosh dang it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and those, are, those days are gone because of online stores and, you know, they did not, the need to not have to, you know, play demos or whatever you can just do free download demos off the you know switch or xbox or playstation or pc you know like demos are now everywhere depending on you know the game so or early access and stuff like that betas so you know the, this is a forgotten art okay this is this is art ladies and gentlemen this is art <laughs> iron giant reference uh so yeah if, you, if you're near one go play it and you'll have a little chance to play a few levels before the game comes out next uh friday yeah friday so now the other thing that was really interesting was that the team talked about the uh title and they admitted that they actually aren't sure what they're going to do next this came <laughs> i'm serious this came from producer takashi tezuka and he goes quote i believe that we have transitioned from the new super mario brothers series into a new phase but at this point we have no idea what the next game style will be Okay, so uh, and I'm okay with that because this game, based off everything we've seen, is so different. It's so special. It's so fresh that it's fine that they don't know how to top this because this is going to be hard to top. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Maybe you just need to have something equal too. <laughs> maybe, maybe, and I'm fine with that. Like just the Wonder Flower alone is something that makes this game so different from everything else. And I'm not saying that the, the general new Super Mario Brothers series hasn't been innovative in its own right, but rarely has it gone to this level, which is why Wonder is so anticipated. Or, and some people are saying, like, it's the best 2D game since Super Mario Brothers World. Which, remember, it's on the SNES. <laughs> okay? It's been a while. So... And, and yeah, I don't know what they'll do next, but as uh, art director uh, Masanobu Sato said, what we do know is that Super Mario Bros. Wonder has set a bigger stage for adventure for Mario and friends, end quote. And on that, I totally agree, because this could be a base play like, okay, this is how nuts we went this time. <laughs> how do we do that better next time? And maybe, like I touched on last week, they just bring in more young guns and say, okay, Nice job on Wonder. What can you do next? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah it's like it's definitely. I mean, obviously, we don't want to have to go for the whole annual Mario games. I mean, we don't need another. Uh, we we don't need to Call of Duty this. <laughs> yeah, basically. So if they if they decide like, oh, what's next? Like we've done so much. Like what can we do now? Like that that kind of creative block is definitely a welcome. A welcome. So we don't have to worry about. I mean, sure, if you want a Mario game every single two years, fine. But. Yeah, like this is just also a good creative block to like, yeah, don't make Mario games until they're ready and just, yeah, if they 
they need to maybe some time to cook. They give him time to cook. So yes. Yeah, and remember a story that broke, I think, a month or so back was that one of the reasons that Wonder was allowed to be this expansive and creative was because they didn't put a time limit on it. They didn't say, hey, we need to have like a prototype idea by this period. They're just like, no, just have at it less than when you have something. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do this again or this like something of this scale and style again, just do the same thing. Take what you had, make it different, make it better. Have fun. Like, I have no doubt they'll try and do something like a Wonder Flower in the next game because it's such a creative idea. It opens up so many options for you in the 2D space, including not making it 2D. (laughs) So I have no doubt that they'll try and implement that again, but they might do it in a different way. And, of course, there's the multiplayer options that they could expand because I have no doubt that one of the big complaints about this game is there's not going to be online co-op. All right, like a pure, pure online co-op, I should say. There's local, <laughs> but the other ones, like where you're the ghosts or whatever, you know, it's it's weird. So like there's there's stuff you can expand there, but use this as the base play, especially if it gets the big sales and game of the year nomination, like same people are saying it will. And they say, okay, how do we build this up? Not unlike what happened with Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. Because we're like, how did they got top Breath of the Wild? Well, now we know. <laughs> Layers. <laughs> Construction. Can we build it? Yes, we can. No, not that direction. No, I said the other. Rotate it. Rotate it. What do you mean the fans on backwards? Still moving somewhere. Yeah. No faith left. I said. <laughs> Todd, you're making me nervous. You're making me nervous. You're making me a nervous wreck. Oh. All right. Oh, do you think we're done with the Mario news? No. Of course not. Of course not. Like, they are seriously pushing this game in, in, in very fun ways, including making special Mario shorts about the game, and specifically around the uh, elephant fruit power-up. But the one we want to talk about is one that... Um, how do I say this politely? Um, shows off Bowser's taste, <laughs> if you will. Because if you haven't seen this short, ladies and gentlemen, it features Bowser, as always, going up to Peach and trying to win her over. No, he does not sing Peach's Shut Up. Um, <laughs> only Jack Black can do that. Um, but of course, Peach is like not interested because he's Bowser. So enter the elephant fruit, where he, she transforms, Bowser is stunned, and then he pulls out a bigger bouquet of flowers <laughs> at the sight of Elephant Peach, which states so many things, ladies and gentlemen, about Bowser and his taste, but not the least of which is, if when it comes to the ladies, he likes them chunky. <laughs> <laughs> I just said that on a Nintendo podcast. I mean, I don't think that's the weirdest thing I've ever said on this podcast, but it's definitely up there. It's it's on the list. It's on the list. <laughs> Get us by the list. Um, like so, I'm sorry. Whoever came up with that deserves a raise, because like, there's so much. Like, I mean, we all remember the Bowsette thing that happened on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was hilarious in its own right, but that was because the fans took it in a direction that I'm sure Nintendo didn't want to for all the right reasons. <laughs> it didn't help that Matt Mercer's 
girlfriend voiced her for a sound clip. Um, but <laughs> now that's canon. Look it up. Um, but this is all Nintendo. This is Nintendo saying, "Oh yeah, Bowser is infatuated with Peach, but he loves Elephant Peach." <laughs> okay, that's all on you, Nintendo. You put that in people's minds, and if kids have, if kids watch this, they're gonna be, yeah, really it's basically a totally spies moment. If anything else, so, yeah, yeah, they they are going to they're gonna ask mom, their mom and dad, hey mom, why does Bowser like Elephant Peach more than regular Peach? And then the parents are gonna have to try and find a way to explain that. I don't think they will. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, Daddy, Mommy, where do babies come from? Where does Bowser's kid come from? Why is it that Bowser is giving flowers to a big elephant peach? <laughs> um, when, when you're older, it's nature. And you know what? Who can, who knows with Bowser? Bowser's evil, honey. He can like, he can like whatever he wants. <laughs> that just came out of my mouth. I'm just like, well, let's just roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just like with this like uh, method of marketing these this game like sure of course naturally the internet is the internet that would do whatever they want but now I'm just having the official venue to actually like okay yeah Bowser likes big elephant peach like ah like uh, <laughs> like Nintendo are, are you really giving us the go ahead to do this <laughs> like Oh jeez, and I know our host does not like that whatsoever. But again, it also it appears to a certain demographic. So, eh. oh, I'm not saying I don't like it. I never said that. I just can't believe Nintendo did it. Because <laughs> again, it's not it's not about like what it means. It's the implications in general. Okay, because this is not this is not something I would have ever guessed for Nintendo. Like, this wasn't on the bingo card. This was not <laughs> on the bingo card. It was definitely not on my bingo card. Woo! Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, uh, good night, everybody. <laughs> 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 Animaniacs. Oh, good night, everybody. <laughs> oh man, I mean, that's honestly a joke. I'm sure Animaniacs would have made. <laughs> Yeah, but, enough. They are here at New York Comic Con as well. Oh yeah, now, hey, if, you, if you have a chance to meet them, they are they are incredible. I I, I adore them all, especially Rob Paulson and Maurice Mirage. They were incredibly kind to me when I got to meet them a long time ago. Oh God, it has been a long time. Oh, I'm so old. <laughs> but uh, I'm like talking. I'm just like pre-pandemics. So, like this is four years. But uh, yeah, they were incredible to me. They're like some nice people, and I have to definitely go meet them. So uh, actually, I'm going to transition from this to Peach. Because there was a little bit of a controversy going on with Princess Peach Showtime. Oh, Todd, what controversy could happen with this game? Well, it's once again something you Buckle don't up. expect. <laughs> like, I mean, seriously, this is not something anyone would expect. Okay. So, when the game was announced uh, in June, everyone's like, okay, yeah, let's do this. Another Princess Peach game. Then we got the new direct where we saw Princess Peach Showtime in action. And, you know, she's going to get all these costumes. She's going to be able to solve, you know, a, a mystery on her own. You know, defeat bad guys, which are terribly named. Like, seriously, the Grape and the Sour Bunch. Like, ugh. Again, that's triangle strategy levels of terrible naming. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still bitter. I'm still bitter. But, you know. That will never leave. It'll never leave. <laughs> it, it, it leaves a hole in my heart. Um. <laughs> But seriously, it 
it felt like a very fun and unique title for Peach. So, unbeknownst to most, until about today, uh, sorry, yesterday, the 11th, the 11th, uh, Nintendo decided, hey, what if we update the box art? <laughs> okay, you know, that happens, sure. So what did they update? Well, <laughs> they decided that Peach's face wasn't right. Uh-huh. They decided that her face needed to look more like Princess Peach from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Capitalize. Sure. <laughs> and so if you look at the art, you'll notice that the main face of Peach, the one that's in the, the, the dead center of the box art, has been changed from the classic game version to basically the movie version. And then if you look to your right, Princess Peach's left, where you see the martial artist version of Peach, you're going to see that she went from a very happy, I can do kung fu move uh, kind of Peach to I am going to murder you with my legs version of Peach. Yep. It's it's just so weird. It's basically a whole Kirby situation again. Like it, originally, it, Kirby was very happy. Again, Kirby's ha a happy character. Like hi, boy. But when they brought uh, Kirby Air Ride, yeah, uh, Air Ride to to the GameCube back over here in the West, they they made him like me looking. Like yeah, uh, I was stronger. Like dude, come on, we're Westerners. We're, we're not that mean. <laughs> we need something cute now and then. But no, you want to get like no, we want the attitude. Um, yeah, where was the attitude era were you if these past 20 years? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I really don't know how to react to this because I've seen... Ah, I say this. I've already seen like a lot of comments. Now, some people don't mind it, and that's fine. You know, as in all things, this is about what you like and don't like, okay? There are going to be people who like it and some people who don't. That's fine. The problem I have in is basically what Scott said. They're trying to capitalize on what the uh, movie did. But here's the problem with that. The game version of Peach versus the movie version of Peach are two entirely different characters in terms of backstory in general, uh, how they look at things, how they do things, and so on and so forth. Like, remember, Peach was not one to use power-ups in the games for a very long time. Like, she was not one who would grab the fire flower and then light people on fire. That was never Peach, okay? That was very later in the games, and I can't even remember what game that started with. Like, that's why they did her own Princess Peach game, so she could have her own power-ups and moves for people to use and then somehow defeat Zelda in Death Battle. I was told, bullcrap! Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, had to get that out. Um, you know, so, like, in the movie, Princess Peach is a go-getter. All right, like she is, she could defend the kingdom herself, and yet somehow she needed Mario's help. Like, okay, and everything. Whereas in the game version, Princess Peach is more laid back. You know, she can defend herself, and she has at times, and she has her strong moments, but she is generally a cheerful person who, you know, will uh, let let things happen, and then is happy to be rescued. That's not exactly an insult, but it's also why I like the Paper Mario version of Princess Peach better, where she did not like getting kidnapped and tried to get out on her own, including apparently making a robot computer fall in love with her. But hey, that's AI, everybody. <laughs> this is why we're on strike. <laughs> Stop making Princess Peach fall in love with AI robots. Um, or vice versa. So for me, 
I don't know why. I don't feel that it's fair to the game version of Peach to make her look like the movie version because that just feels disingenuous. Like, oh, this is the Princess Peach version you should love. Well, no. I don't think that the movie version of Peach would go to this theater. <laughs> okay? Like, remember, that's that's the Peach who, would, who dressed up in battle armor and had a halberd because it was awesome. And it was awesome. But, yeah. you know, like, this is the Princess Peach who's like, oh, Ricky gets to go to a theater. Doesn't that sound like a lovely time? Like, yeah, it does sound like a lovely time, Princess Peach. Let's go and have some fun with that. And, like, the, the shot of her with the, and the, the, the aggressive face in the, uh, the, the martial arts outfit, that does not feel like Peach. All right? Like, she would be the one who would be like, I'm so happy I can do kung fu. Here, let me, let me use it on you. Versus, I am going to murder you with my kung fu moves. <laughs> Pray to your gods. <laughs> no, no. You, your gods have failed you. You, you pray to me now. <laughs> I am your princess. Say it. Like, I don't remember Princess Peach becoming Makima. All right? <laughs> That's scary, not. Exactly. <laughs> like, she looks scary in the martial arts outfit. And I don't think that that's the Peach that, you know, most people connect with. I mean, yes, the movie version was awesome. And Anya Taylor-Joy is a treasure and should be protected at all costs. Especially from Chris Pratt. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> see, got to keep getting those ribbing in, Faith. Got to keep getting the ribbing in. But, like, there was nothing wrong with the original box art. There was nothing wrong. It showed Princess Peach in the center, all of her, some of her outfits, the theater in the background, her new friend, the the flower ribbon. Um, you know, that's what we needed. That was good box art. This feels just, I don't know, very Hollywood. It's basically like you know, Princess Peach is basically one thing is like you don't reinvent the wheel. Like when you see when you see Princess Peach, like you know her again. It's twenty plus years you recognize the character, and like now now with this with the, again with the Mario movie, Anya Taylor Joy's rendition of it all, like that in that that the movie interpretation, and like now you change like something so iconic to this is like. Who you're making this for? Is, for is it for the new new fans or is it for the for the people that you that have been with you for all these years? It's kind of like so, in that kind of same vein situation, but yeah, it's who who who's who's this benefiting benefiting for? Yeah, and I know some people are like, well, guys, I think you're overthinking this. Let me put it to you this way: I want you to imagine a Metroid game, because as we all know, Samus Aran is the boss. Yes. Okay, she is. The boss. Period. What if, what if, oh, I don't know, they, Nintendo decides to randomly put her in a dress. Like a big, flowery, like, ballroom dress for a mission. Just because. You don't think that would have started up a controversy? This is Samus Aran! She doesn't wear dresses. She wears, you know, gym shorts and incredibly tight bodysuits. But she doesn't wear a dress, and <laughs> you know, like, because that, that's that's disingenuous to her character. She's a freaking bounty hunter, she had never has had a need to wear a dress like that. That would, I mean, and there's some complaints about the zero suit, let's just be honest here. All right, like, that was fan service in so many ways, but they justified it in certain ways, and fine, it's now part of her character. Peach, part of Peach's character is that she's an incredibly kind individual, she would not make that face when destroying an enemy. And to change it just because the movie was popular is unfair. 
Just say. Agreed. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad. All right. Uh, let's see. All right. Next one is one I'm very happy to talk about, which is the Nintendo Switch sales recently. So what's going on there? Um, well, in Japan, there has been a big surge in Nintendo Switch buying over the last fiscal quarter and last week. So just last week in Japan, the Switch sold 110 thousand units Jeez. one week in japan just japan okay and just for the record uh the ps5 sold thirty-three thousand. the xbox series combined sold a thousand and this is my favorite part the ps4 sold just under a thousand <laughs> the next gen series if, if going by these numbers sold 25 more units than a ps4 Neck and neck, people. You're doing great, <laughs> Phil. You're doing great, Phil. So, and then uh, year to year, the uh, Nintendo Switch sales rate has been up in Japan by about over a hundred thousand. With a bunch of those being the uh, Mario OLED that just came out in in anticipation for a uh, Mario Brothers Wonder, and so I I like that. <laughs> I like that Very so nice. well, and I, and a lot of people, including myself, think that this is because of uh, the upcoming Mario games of Wonder and Mario RPG. They're buying them now, so that they know that they have it for when the big games come out. So, I like that. I like that. At I all. mean, that that's the thing you don't want to have happen is when the games are coming out and you'd want to go buy a Switch and realize, oh, they're scalped. Yeah. Yeah. Pr- pretty much. Pretty much. So, uh, I'm curious about. I mean, we all. Know, it's pretty much accepted that the Switch isn't going to sell as much this year as it did last year, which is fine. I mean, we're getting we're getting towards the we're in the end game now, <laughs> and we we all accept that in our in our various ways. But it's nice to know that you know some people are like, yeah, I really want want to get this Switch, and I'm like, okay then, that sounds great. So, uh, moving on, we have uh. Did we talk about Rayman last week? Can't remember. I can't remember either. Okay. Well, long story short, uh, the creative director of Sparks of Hope said once again that he totally wants to make a Rayman game, like pure Rayman game. All right. And I'm like, do it. <laughs> do do it, man. Like all I'm, for it. <laughs> like I am. I am so here for it. I really, really am. And. Uh, I I I think that this is the perfect time for Nintendo, and we've talked about this before. Uh, go and like go to this man and say, "Hey, convince we'll we'll talk with Ubisoft and we'll get you to make a Rayman game." I mean, could you imagine if we get a Rayman game like in the first year or two of the Nintendo Switch successor? Which, by the way, Aww. which by the way, we do not have rumors to talk about. Dang, yes. Finally, finally, I know, right? I know, right? Like I was nature like, nature is healing. <laughs> nature is healing. <laughs> um, but yeah, like seriously, this is this is awesome. Uh, but yeah, like no no switch rumors. But uh, I, I I'm all for this. Like seriously, go go for it. Do 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 what must be done, dude. You know, it it, it shouldn't have, it shouldn't be like this. Like Rayman was their mascot for so long. All right, and like even Origins was popular because it got ported to like everywhere. 
All right. So like that's that was pretty that was pretty impressive overall. So like why not do it again? Like what what are you waiting for? Like this is now is the time, especially with you know Nintendo proving hey the Switch is, is successful. I know you all think you as an Ubisoft think that uh, Sparks of Hope didn't sell well. It did. Shut up. Um, the fact that we actually haven't heard its sales numbers makes me wonder if Ubisoft doesn't want to show them just because they know that they're wrong. Because <laughs> you can't tell me that that game hasn't sold like a million or two by this point. Right. <laughs> like a, a, it's been like a year. It was highly anticipated. The critics loved it. And and then like there was a whole oh it didn't sell well in this, this two week period in December. I'm like. It came out in October. <laughs> what What do you want? They want it to be like Assassin's Creed at some level. <laughs> okay, I mean, I admire that because that's how much faith they have in Mario and Rabbids, but let's be honest, this is still a niche version of Mario. Yep. Yeah, like, oh, case in point, the Mario sports games. Like, those sell a couple million, but they don't sell as much as Odyssey. No, or, uh, or Mario Kart. Or Mario Kart. <laughs> Nothing sells as much as Mario Kart. Yeah, <laughs> because it's deluxe, Scott. Because it's deluxe. <laughs> Anywho, um, so you just let the man do it. <laughs> let the man have his fun. It it shouldn't be that hard. And hey, if it, and if it does work, then you have yet another franchise that you can bank off of. I mean, isn't that the dream? Yeah, you know? not having to have to live on Assassin's Creed only. Ah. <laughs> well, I'll be honest. It's not. Let's be honest. It's not just Assassin's Creed, but that is like their big breadwinner. Yeah, Assassin's Creed, Rainbow Six. Yeah, yeah, Rainbow Six. Um, Just Dance. Just Dance. Yeah, that's a big one. Okay, well, let's be honest here. I mean, Just Dance. Uh, now I'm gonna look it up. Ubisoft franchises. Um, no, 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 no. No, uh, I think Prince of Persia. Not, it's not as big as it used to be. Um, Fair. Do, 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 Ever do, since it left the Wii. Wow, man, this, <laughs> this really, this really is a small list. Like you think? I mean, granted, they are working on Avatar and Star Wars right now. So I mean, you know, gauge this how yeah. you so desire. I, I. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So just just let him do it, Ubisoft. Like, what 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 have you got to lose? It's not like you've been throwing away money trying to make a pirate game that is never going to come out. <laughs> oh, I feel bad for those who actually want to see that. <laughs> I do. I feel bad for the dev team who's been trying to make it happen. Yeah, that's true. It's got to be the doo doo come forever. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next up, we have Faith's favorite person in the whole world. No, not Chris Pratt. No, not Jared Padalecki. Yes, him. We're talking about him. Yes, Daddy Sakurai. Because uh, she totally knows who he is. <laughs> and as you know, he's been rocking his YouTube channel, bringing in beautiful insights. He did a video recently. I was just like, you know, I never thought of games like that. And it made me change how I, I perceived certain things. It's, this is why I love his, his videos. But uh, he has made a new post recently saying quote since my youtube debut many of you has expressed have expressed interest in me in watching me play other games well you'll soon have your chance because masahiro sakurai on creating games is planning a special crossover with another well-known youtube channel stay tuned for more details that's right daddy sakurai is branching out <laughs> go and get some sakurai let's plays let's go whatever, whatever it takes man whatever it takes <laughs> Uh, yeah, just put it, make some Sakurai Let's Plays for some cat videos, and boom, you got a freaking million yes. hits. That's what he's gonna play Stray. No, <laughs> oh my gosh, he's gonna play Stray. 
and then Nintendo dogs and cats. <laughs> Isn't there Nintendo dog and cats? Wasn't there? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure there was. But uh, yeah, so that's happening, and I am all for it. <laughs> let's, yes. let's just be honest here. Like, hey, the most important thing is he's having fun. Yes. Okay? Like, this is the bare bones of it all. Like, he is like, hey, uh, the fans want me to play games. Like, I love playing games. Okay? Like, I, I'm a gamer too, you know? So, if he wants to do it with a channel, do it! Like, why not? Go have fun, Daddy Sakurai. Okay? I'm I'm all for it. I really am. I am I am so happy for him. So, Alright, but so uh we wish you the uh, best of luck, Daddy Sakurai, and we hope we I I'm and I will definitely post that on the site when he, it happens because 'cause I'm I'm so curious. Like who do you think it's gonna be? Because just be, remember, he said it's popular YouTube channel. He didn't say American YouTube channel. And it could right, be right, right. a lot of people with that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, let, let's just be honest here. Like, it could be a famous Japanese YouTuber. It could be an international star in general. I mean, it doesn't have to be in the U.S. Not to mention the fact that, you know, Sakurai is in Japan. And mm -hmm. he, should, he translates his videos for two different audiences. So, you know, just saying. Clearly, it's going to be a hollow VTuber. <laughs> <laughs> that would be surprising. I mean, uh, they are getting big now, so why not? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I, I am very, very interested. All right. This is the story that uh, I think we're all still processing on a grand level. So, Will's nemesis, Hideki Kamiya. Uh, <laughs> curse you, Kamiya. You will all block me on Twitter one day. Um, oh, if Twitter shuts down, then you don't have to worry about it, Will. So, it's, we're getting closer. We all know it. Uh, so, yeah, Hideki Kamiya, as we noted last week, is leaving, has left Platinum Games. Okay. But there's been a bit of a twist. Okay? Um, You might recall that he said he wanted to leave the company because he... He basically said, I have to follow my own beliefs as a game creator. And he wants to make games that he feels could follow his beliefs, which is fine. I, I totally respect that. But now he's admitted that he's going to Sakurai route, and he will uh, start his own YouTube channel. Okay. Curious, but not, un, not unheard of. Again, Sakurai has done very well for himself. But this is where the big twist comes in. Because as revealed by numerous sources, including IGN, Kamiya has a non-compete clause. Okay, that's that can be standard in uh, most in many uh, enter enterprises. Let's call it that. But the the biggest twist is that that non-compete clause is for a year. Yeah. What? Like, have have we ever heard of anything like this in the gaming industry? Like a year. I didn't even know they had non-complete clauses in the gaming industry, given how many times people like jump back and forth between places. I mean, how many times have you heard a story? Oh, this lead person is leaving this company to go to this company. It happens all the gosh dang time. And now it's like, no, I can't work at another company for a year. What? I my mind's blown on this. It really is. Yeah. The reason I don't like I don't like this. I really don't like this because. A, it kind of insinuates that there's a kind of bad blood going on here. It also was said that Kamiya left the company in a big red Lamborghini. 
So <laughs> whether he flipped people off as he left is unknown. But if he did and they tried to post pictures on it, they he probably blocked them on Twitter as well. If they yeah. spoke more than one language, <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. We know we know your game, Hideki Kamiya. We know who you are. But A, it speaks of bad blood, which you never want to hear. Two, it makes me wonder. Did he like just never think he would leave the company? Because who signs a contract that says if you leave our company, you can't work in gaming for a year? I mean, even if you're a guy that you know, who, like him, well, we we can all assume he made like good money at Platinum, yeah. right? I mean, between he was like one of the head guys, head director, multiple games under his belt, he was the man at, at Platinum in like almost every way, right? Is definitely and, the most prolific too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you say platinum games. You thought Hideki Kamiya. You probably you probably can't even name another person at platinum. That's not an insult. That's just how it is. Yep. So, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. And it's just so weird to me that this they would do this level of. I don't even want to say bitterness, but. It just rings us so hollow that they would do this, that they would say, hey, if you leave our company, you can't work for a year. You can't work on your passion for a year. That's just that's just mean. Yeah, it's it's just really interesting how like that was like the the lead the clause that yeah, <laughs> oh if you leave the company, you can't make a games for a year. You gotta like have a, a cool down period just because you were from a like what for like, it's just so strange given the history of Platinum Games. Again, originally came from Clover Studios under Capcom, but then it got dissolved by Capcom, and then they left to make um, Platinum Games. And now with this thing, like, again, with the uh, Inaba, like the original founders now left the company. Is like now you like now that Kamiya now left the company. Again, as much as I hate the guy, and sometimes, but he makes great games. Is like, yeah, um, like why, why the heck would you want to put a, a gag order on him to, to not make let him pursue his passion? Like he, could, uh, in that one year's time, he could make something else, something else that outside of Bayonetta. Again, we, we I know like they kind of did with something similar to Soul Crest or something like that. That's a shooter game. Or like in the, the projects in between that could have been been like, but like the, I know recently with the whole uh, wonderful one on Kickstarter, which he also made those two extra levels with uh with the with one, the kid levels, the side scroller levels. It's yeah, it's kind of sad, but also just just why why like you want to like really bar someone's creativity to such a way? It's just yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, hopefully we get more context on this going forward. But yeah, like that was one thing that he's like, okay, he's leaving the company, and sometimes you have to leave. Just like Sakurai left Nintendo and did his own thing, even though he worked with Nintendo for many more years. That was still under his own power. Um, but this is like, yeah, I'm leaving the company, and I'll see you guys in a year when I might make games again. He's, and for the record, he said explicitly he is not retiring. But now he's basically semi-retired because he can't make a game for a year. Yeah, that's a long time. It's a long yep. time. Like and that's not to say he can't like think of game ideas and, you know, work on them in his own time, but he can't like join another company like say Cap go back to Capcom, work at Nintendo, 
join Sony, um, get bought out by Microsoft. <laughs> you know. We now we want to announce our biggest acquisition ever. It's Hideki Kamiya. <laughs> we bought him for ten billion dollars. Yeah, good luck with that. Again, everybody that was scale bound. Yeah, it's like it's like, hey Phil, hey hey Hideki, how you doing? Hi Phil, what are you what are you doing, Hideki? I'm blocking you on Twitter. Why? Because I asked for eleven billion, not ten. <laughs> well, add to your bonus. Okay, you're unblocked. Uh, oh, I, I still have unblocked that will, dude. And eh, he can wait. <laughs> so, all right. Sorry, I did miss one story, and this, let's end this on a on a lighter note, nonetheless. Nintendo is getting ready to open up their Kyoto their Kyoto shop, and some pictures of the has spread online. And I was no, it was noted by the person who posted them that there are only five Nintendo stores in the world, and only one of them is outside of Japan. We need more. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I want that. I want. I want them in every town in America. I want to see them across the street from me. Okay. No. I was like, I want them to populate the world as Starbucks has. I can't live yes. without Starbucks, and I can't live without Nintendo. So let's have them like right next to each other. I don't know why I went with the Bill Clinton voice, but you know, I did not sleep in that Nintendo store, but I wanted to. <laughs> So, if the shoe fits, if the shoe, <laughs> well, you know, I do like. I, I mean, there's three things I love, boys. I love Starbucks, I love Nintendo, and I love cigars. <laughs> I know a lot of people did not get that last joke. Do not look it up. <laughs> okay, do not, do not look that joke up. Um, so yeah, I, I would love. Like, I know Will's been to the Nintendo NYC store, and he like brags about it all the time, but. Like if there was one in Chicago, I would love to go to that because that would probably be the biggest city that I could see it at. You know, because I ain't going to New York anytime soon, and uh, they probably do one in Lo like Los Angeles. I mean, they got they got a Super Nintendo Land. Why not just have a big Nintendo store there? I mean, yes, I know please. yes, there is a store in the park, but that's a little more limited compared to like the big grand Nintendo stores in like in uh, Tokyo and Kyoto and such. Yep, so, yep, yep, yep. So. Like expand Nintendo. Like you keep saying we're going to want to branch out our IP, bring more stores to big cities. All right, the people will go. All right, <laughs> especially during like Comic Con season. You kidding me? Imagine one having in San Diego during San Diego Comic Con. Like, oh hey, we can go visit the Nintendo store right over here. Oh my gosh, that'd be such a great idea. You'd probably sell out of merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Comic Coners are coming. The Comic Coners are coming. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, I, I'm all for it. And, hey, if you can go to the Kyoto store, let us know. And remember, there's going to be a Nintendo museum coming to Kyoto next year. So another way that Nintendo is expanding out. So be ready for that. Oh, yeah, Florida, as much as, you know, it's state. But uh, I meant that in the evil way, obviously. <laughs> but, like, they're going to have the their new Super Nintendo land uh, world, uh, whatever, coming next year. So, you know, put a store there, too, you know. But build off might of as well. Might as well. I mean, we all know Florida people don't buy just about anything. Just look at their <laughs> governor. Oh! <laughs> you know it's true. You know it's true. And I know people in Florida. And thankfully, they're they're there's some of the actual good ones. Yeah. True. Not there's not enough though. They <laughs> exist. <laughs> the good people. The good people exist in Florida. I know. I've met some of them. Okay, and I didn't sleep with them either. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't know why I did the Bill Clinton voice, but it just it felt so funny. Um, 
So, yeah, uh, I, I I am all for Nintendo expanding their stores. I mean, I could, I definitely need more Nintendo merch in my life. I don't, like I said, I don't buy stuff for myself when I go to Comic Cons, but going to a store like that changes the mindset because that's not about me being there to sell something. That's me there to look and buy stuff. All right, like I, I'll buy Nintendo clothing and plushies and whatever, you know, decorate my room more than I already have. I'm for that. Make it happen. Make it so. <laughs> Make it so. All right, and finally, in our main event, we're going to be talking about something that I don't think we've honestly addressed before in this length, and that is open-world gaming. It's really hard to go a year, or not to be generous, a few months in the gaming space without hearing about a new open-world title that is either coming out or is out. And many of the complaints are honestly the same. They're a big expanse, but they don't really have anything in them. I mean, even the great ones like your Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild and certain Assassin's Creed titles, um, they get praise for the overall experience, but there's still that feeling that you're just traveling through an empty world just to get to the point where, place where everything is interesting. And with the re release of Assassin's Creed Mirage and it being in a more compact city via the city of Baghdad and uh, certain comments I've seen about uh, Tears of the Kingdom and where Nintendo should go from here, we are going to address how big should open world games honestly be? And the only way to do this is in a Nintendo discussion. Alright, so I'll be honest, I've I've played a good share of open world games, or in the case of Starfield, open universe games. And some of them have been great, and some of them have been boring. And some of them, you know, I definitely don't didn't need to play again, and so I didn't. So I wanna go I'll go around first and ask, what do you guys feel about open world games? And how do you how big do you honestly feel they should be and should grow to in the future? Scott, I will start with you. Alrighty. So I actually really enjoy open world games. I do think though that especially with like current games, like well, it's not really current, but like the last I say five years or so of games, they feel like they've been more or less just padding instead of actual like open world kind of games. Um, I guess like examples would be like Assassin's Creed Valhalla or Watchdog Legions. They are not bad games, but the open world aspect of them is bad because it's so just kind of generic in the sense of how they do it and how things run. And it almost feels like nothing like gets accomplished as you get from one objective to the next when it comes to the open world that they are at. Um, I do like a lot more where the world or the area itself is a little compact or at least in a way where the like the traversal, like say with Spider-Man, is really good so that you don't feel like it's as big as it is because you just have more fun playing the game and actually getting from one point to the other than looking at all the icons and kind of garbage that's just there in the overworld you have to look for in order to complete your checklist of items to do. And so that's kind of just my feeling on like, the current state of open worlds is I do think that it is nice to have them a little smaller if it means that we have more meaning to the world itself. And I think that's the important aspect of it is you not want to make the world have meaning that you're traveling, that you're able to go through. 
And so I, I'm actually excited more about Mirage hearing that people are sad that it is more compact and it's not as grandiose as, say, like Odyssey or as Valhalla. Which, I mean, as I said, Valhalla is a good game. It's just the open world is absolutely atrocious. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard that. I mean, when G4, rest in peace, the second time, uh, they were talking about the expansiveness of games, and they referenced Valhalla, and they showed the shot where the main character is, like, in the, like, the starting location, and then there's, like, these light beacons about where you can go. And they're, like, so far in the distance. Yes. And you have to go to there. And I'm like, it's probably going to be boring all the way there, isn't it? like yeah pretty yes. much <laughs> so yeah I, that and ironically mirage was supposed to be dlc for valhalla and then i'm like so oh, thankful it wasn't yeah but like it was, it was gonna be like expansive dlc grant you yeah but like yeah, yeah. It, they were like no we could just make this into its own game and like bring the series back to full return to form and the ubisoft approved and even though it hasn't had the best reviews for one reason or another just about everyone critic wise was like yeah i appreciate the small compact uh city that we're in outside of the few villages and wilderness areas you can go to because you feel that the city is alive you know yeah. everywhere you go there is something going on even if you're not there versus you know the open world where like oh i can go down this path and you're just like riding along the path for a while and then like oh you might see something and you know that's that gets boring after a while <laughs> okay like Come on, you could do better than that. And that's uh, sadly like a, tr a trend or a trope that's kind of developed over the years is that at first you just couldn't do open world games. And so you had to like settle for like semi-open world. Like yeah. you have a bigger area, but you can't go to it all at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like uh, Ocarina of Time is a great example of that. I mean, if you, if you think about that version of Hyrule, it's actually pretty big. It's just you can't go to all of it at once, and you have to follow the path. And then once at the end, you can go pretty much everywhere, and it's a nice big expanse. But it's not—it's not meant to be. You know, I can go anywhere, do anything. You know, <laughs> but it, but the places you can go to, there's plenty of stuff to do. Yes. So, and we got away from that to like, well, we can do these massive, expansive worlds and have all these hidden things that you can go and discover and whatever. And you know what that led to? Korra quests. Okay. <laughs> Having to find all those dang Koroks just we to a piece of those. crap pestu. Uh, leave them in the ground. <laughs> leave them in the ground. Uh, all right, but I'll save my venting for later. Will? Yeah, like I'm pretty much in in same tune with uh, Scott. Like I, I, like in terms of open world games, like I, I'm always at the point. Like the last Assassin's Creed game I really enjoyed was I'd be Syndicate or Black Flag, and Black Flag, like again greatest pirate game out there like was pretty much one of the, like the, the good open world games like again traveling the sea shanties be hunting whaling other gathering stuff. like that was a pretty much a, a, the good level of open world games that like that ubisoft have known for if anything else like valhalla again like the fact that if you want to be go 100 hours for completionist like dude i want to go 100 places for jrpgs and all that i do not need to be in my, in my open world games and like it in other term in other terms of it like yeah that's kind of like also what i have kind of have some of some gripe regarding to like horizon like on ps5 like mm -hmm. well it does it, like it is active here and there but it also kind of shared that same problem like nothing to really add on to it i feel like and like if there's sure, anything looks good <laughs> huh 
it's like sure it looks good but that doesn't mean everything <laughs> right 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 and like if any anything with close comparison like yeah super odyssey what is i again they've called it as an open zone kind of game and of that sort or is that I'm, I'm or maybe i'm just confused here with death stranding like death stranding is more more or less that kind of like simmer sense like it's not really an open world but basically like you explore and like travel and like that that's kind of like it's like the way the, the game industry is trying to like really define the, the term open world is like is it just expanses you just want to like show how pretty it is without nothing has to do it or like is it something like it actually means something like the one probably like pr good example i can probably imagine at the moment right now is of uh, sucker punches uh ghost of tsushima oh yeah mm -hmm. yes that that, that one legendary yeah, that game is like it. One, it's beautiful. Again, go on in terms of uh, of the geography, but also the fact like it is one you like sucker punches. They actually do open world games well. Is because again, you're liberating. You it, it actually does take effect in the gameplay, the story of it all. Like it, it complements to it. So instead of just like mindless busybody work of collectopedias and all that, it actually does affect the grand scheme of like again clearing out the territory the zones like with like with the previous style of like infamous and such so i mean wrapping it up here it's just what i want is like if you're gonna make an open world kind of game like do it in the terms of like like what how have yakuza has been doing it this many years ago like it's only a small city but it's just so much to do in it. You get lost in it. Hell, you you get lost from not even doing the, the main campaign just because it's so, so intriguing, inviting. Just absolutely get lost in the world. Like, and that's only a small city in Shinjuku. If you only imagine how expands it into like, like Super Mario Odyssey level or even like big cities, maybe in the next game of Yakuza Eight uh, Infinite Wealth, then yeah, you could you. I can only imagine how big of a like such a grand game that will redefine that genre of an open world game. So that that's just where my my ideas go to. Just like in terms of Yakuza, yeah, that's probably like the best start way to if you want to make a good open world game. Yeah. So here's the thing. I remember when Assassin's Creed Three came out. Ah. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That was my first. My first. That is an interesting first. <laughs> I know. But, like, at the time, I wasn't really interested. Like, you know, Assassin's Creed... Uh, well, first of all, I couldn't before because the games... I didn't have, like, a good gaming PC at the time. Mm, okay. And I, I don't think I did. I didn't have a PS3 and above. And that's when they, like, the, the first Assassin's Creed titles came out. The only reason I was able to get three was because of uh, it was on the Wii U. And so yeah. I'm like, okay, this is good. I can I can play this, and I really love their "I'm Coming Home" video, which you know, I you watch it today, it still holds up. It's incredible. But I'm like, okay, this is gonna be good. I've heard some great things about Assassin's Creed, and there were things that I absolutely loved. And then, but one thing I hated was me just trying to get from one location to another. <laughs> I'm like traveling the colonies of the United States, and it's like you must go from Jamestown to Yorktown. Okay, and it's just like this long and winding path just to get there. And there was nothing to do. And this was like one of my very first, I guess, true open world experiences. And it wasn't bad, but if I was to give it a score by the time I was done, 
and I had to get through like 20 minutes of credits pages. Um, <laughs> you know, it's true. Uh, yeah. Like I would give it maybe like a 3.5. And apparently I missed a whole bunch of constant content because it didn't like build up uh, Connor's homestead or whatever. I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Connor's homestead, yep. the ship. Yeah. I get there was a precursor to four, which uh, four is the better game. Yeah. Yeah. Four like, is by far the better. Yeah. Game. <laughs> yeah. Most people agree that four was like one of the best titles even today, but like, that's the thing. Like I, suffered because of the open world i didn't get to enjoy uh you know where what what the beauty of what open world games can be now i have not had the honor of playing ghost of tsushima i guess i could play it now because i have a good pc maybe i will it's on pc right i don't know it's on, it's on no. pc it's not Okay, wait, let me look at that. I think I saw it on Ghost. It is on PC last or I think. I'm not sure. PC. Yeah, I guess it is on PC. Uh, maybe it's not. Is it though? It doesn't matter. Uh, if it even if it doesn't, but I would love to play that game because I've heard nothing but great things. Like a person whose opinion I respect said that this is her favorite game of all time, and it, it was a game that actually brought her back into video games because of how well composed it was. And that's not something you say lightly, okay? And as a result, I want to you know, enjoy this. I want to I want to enjoy an open world game and, and know that it is filled with great stuff. And even Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom games I loved. There are points where I'm like, well, you know. It's not like there. I remember in Breath of the Wild, there was one point where I'm just like riding my horse just randomly to one area, and it just felt like there was nothing on the way there. And I felt it. But then other times, you know, you come across monsters, there's like Lionels, and you get this one area that was like, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. And that's great. But if I have to travel massive areas just to get to the good stuff, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's not good. And you know, Tears of the Kingdom was better, but there were also points where I'm trying to get to specific locations from the from the towers, and I'm having to glide like infinitely <laughs> to one spot. And I know that if I was on the ground, I had to do that. And like, oh, you can travel anywhere, yeah, but it's not always easy, even, especially when it's raining <laughs> or it's I cold, <laughs> and you know, or or you don't know left from right, and uh. <clears throat> So, you know, there is such a thing as too big. And uh, I referenced earlier, but there's another guy whose opinion I trust who said that while he liked Tears of the Kingdom, he wouldn't mind Zelda games going back to the more linear format because he didn't have a problem with that in the first place. And I'm like, yeah, no, I didn't have a problem with it either. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, look at Wind Waker. Like, Wind Waker might have been the best and worst example because of the ocean. Like, I hated the ocean. <laughs> I hated having to sail around, having to go to the exact spots to fish out the Triforce, which makes no gosh dang sense why it would be shattered into, like, 17 pieces and hidden underwater. But, uh, like, you know, that was something. But there was something always to do on the water as long as you knew where to look. And then, like, Twilight Princess, my favorite. My favorite, you know. Uh, oh, I see you're a man of culture. You're dang right I am. <laughs> and that's just because of Midna. Um, but like that game made you feel like there was a lot going on there as you traveled around. And even Ocarina of Time, again, there was always something to do. Skyward Sword was a little bit in the middle. You know, there was times a little too open, and it could have been filled with some other stuff. But when you make a great game that's open enough 
you're going to want to enjoy everything that you see versus wondering what else is out there. And a great example of this in the worst sense is Starfield. <laughs> like I, and I know some people are like, oh, game, game, game generation, shut up. Uh, <laughs> I respect your opinion, but it's wrong. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm being that guy tonight. You're welcome. Um, when I'm in Starfield, like when you go to the map, you use, you're on the planet map, then you zoom out and you're on the solar system map. And I see that there's other locations that I can dock to. But every single time I ask myself, do I need to go to those locations? And not and every single time the answer is no. And, and unless there's an absolutely important need, like a red icon there, like saying like, oh yeah, you should go there because there's this to do, that to do. I don't want to just go to a random location, have to fight a thousand pirates, waste all my med packs while doing so, and then hope I get out alive just from some experience points that I'll use on a skill that may or may not help me in the future. That's not fun. That's not enjoyable. All right. Now, in contrast, uh, Mass Effect trilogy. Yes, they did have places where you would just go to and there would be pirates, but there were also times when you would mine minerals that would help you in other things or you would uh, find secret story missions or get hidden secrets of the universe, like the Protheans, like how you found out they were on Earth once upon a time, et cetera, et cetera. You know, especially in two and three, right before the end, right before the end, <laughs> you know, they made it worth your while to visit these other planets and say, hey, what else is out there? Hey, go to do the side mission. Hey, can you help this this culture? And it might help you in the war effort. The game wasn't open world or open universe per se, but it, it it really rewarded you for traveling and exploring. And I always wanted to go back to the Citadel after every like main story mission because there was usually always something new to do, a new quest to find, a new person to talk to, a new conversation to unlock. And that made it so rewarding up until the very end. And I don't even want to talk about Andromeda. But like that could be a blueprint. <laughs> That's a blueprint for how to handle it right up until the end. So... The real question is, why do they, especially companies like Ubisoft with Far Cry. Oh, Far Cry! I knew we were forgetting one. Oh, I totally forgot about Far Cry. That, that I was, don't even <laughs> want to talk about that. that. That wasn't on the list I was looking at, by the way. I looked up Ubisoft franchises and Far Cry was not on the list. Like, how is Far Cry not on the list? But That's like, a good question. Like, you think Far... that'd be a more well-known one? I know, right? I mean, they got six centuries plus spinoffs, but there, there's another thing. When Ubisoft did Far Cry the best, the open world felt alive. And then when they did it the worst, it, it didn't feel enough. Like, the ones that everyone talks about are 3 and 5. Yep. Because <laughs> 3, especially with that insane plot, which I really don't want to dive into because it's really dark. But, uh, like, 3, you know, it had, like, you know, the, on, the, on the island, there's a lot of danger going on. And then 5, you know, you could team up with random people. You could do, take on the generals at one point or another. Or you could just choose to leave the game right at the beginning and have a really, really short play experience. It's canon. Look it up. Um, but then in the other ones, you don't hear that with, like, 4 or 6 where or, or the, the 5 spinoff, where it's just like, oh, it's open world, but, you know, you don't really need to explore it. When you don't need to explore it, it shouldn't be open world. Yeah. And let's not forget, there are so many incredible games out there that aren't open world or are semi-open world or aren't even close to an open world setting. But they tell a tale, they do it incredibly well, and you have fun with it. Here, I'll actually call out to the Shatterverse for one of Tyler's favorite games ever. Celeste! Yes. That ain't open world! <laughs> that, ain't even that ain't even open level! <laughs> <laughs> That's Dark Souls platforming, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you know it! 
Go get up the mountain. Oh, how hard could that be? It's hard. <laughs> it's so Harder hard. <laughs> All right, but like Celeste was a game that moved a lot of people because it told a story. It did its gameplay very well, and people wanted to do it again, and they did. Sometimes more than they probably should have. And they wanted to go to harder difficulties for some odd reason. Yeah, and then they wanted to, what was that that level eleven thing? Yeah. Yeah, that was that. So that that was a thing. Or hey, <laughs> how about this? Here, how about this blast for the past? How about Journey? Oh, I miss Journey. See, I I just said the name and Scott was like, oh, see, because he remembers. All right. One of my favorite PS3 games. There you go. I am. I am. You know, and and uh, even going to more recent times, like say with Super Mario Odyssey. You know, that game's not open world. It's more like open realm. And but there's a lot to do in it, and you're always looking for that next thing because everything is out in the open, and it's just about you finding it versus oh, I hope if I wander in this path, I'll eventually get to something. You know that the moons are out there. You just gotta get to them, and that's a key difference. And that's why it was a game of the year contender because it it made you want to explore. I loved the fact that I could get like 20 moons in a level without breaking a sweat. You know, that was so much fun. And then I, you had to look up the others, but that was fine. It was worth it's it. Just... And then Will over there, Mr. I'm a completionist, when I want to be, decided to get every moon ever, including on the dark side of the moon, Pink Floyd. And, you know, he had a blast doing that. But again, not an open world game, but an incredibly awesome game that people really, really loved. So I feel that game developers really need to remember that it's not just about this... Uh, just about the size not of the just the scope yeah, <laughs> size bigger isn't always better <laughs> or so they tell me and this is a great example because when open world games really shine you you, you have the, the, the blueprint you have the base plate but a lot of people don't do it they make these very empty and hollow worlds that are just uninteresting and uneventful and then it's like oh yeah the game was good but like Valhalla, you know, it was, it was a struggle to get things done or, you know, like Starfield. I'm going to go to Starfield. I saw someone say they played like 200 hours into it. First of all, how did you have the time? <laughs> how did you have the time? But second of all, I know that I know that that likely wasn't just doing side quests. Like that's by going to all the worlds and uh, like, what was it, scanning them or... Uh, What's, what's like it? minerals. Yeah, the mineral deposits. Over. I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. And again, if you don't upgrade your scanner, you're like, you literally have to get like really close to the monsters and the plants and everything. <laughs> that sucks. It's like, I don't survey. I don't want to survey every planet. And when Mass Effect did it, they did it really easily. You know, like you send down a probe and you get a bunch of minerals and, you know, it's sometimes repetitive, but, you know, you're using that to get other stuff versus here. It's like, oh yeah, I'm just trying to survey the planet. I don't need to survey every planet. I want to do actual stuff. That was actually, a, if you remember, No Man's Sky. When, before it got fixed, it was an incredibly boring title because, yeah, you had an open universe, but what were you doing in it? It was very open is the problem. <laughs> exactly. There is such a thing as being too open. <laughs> so, game developers, please. And Nintendo, I include you in this because, you know, you, you have done well with Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild and uh, uh, the Xenoblade Chronicles trilogy. But even then, sometimes they were just a little too open or there was sometimes too hard to get through and such and such. But, uh, you know, you, you've done better than most, but we need to walk that line between, you know, really open content and really meaningful content because we all know what gamers want in the end meaningful 
content. That's why a lot of the franchises that I love are not open world in the slightest. You know, like your Fire Emblems, your Smash Brothers, your Pokemon up until really recently. And, you know, hey, they did a really good job with the Pokemon world in the open world sense. Could they refine some things? Yes! Absolutely. Yes! <laughs> but, you know, for a you know, they did a half a try with Sword and Shield, and they did a bit better try with uh, Scarlet and Violet. And I can't wait to see what they do next time. But they also have an advantage over other people where half the point of this open world is just putting Pokemon everywhere. You know? Because it's like, oh, I go into a new area. Who, where are all these new Pokemon I'm going to find? You know, that's everywhere. their... Exactly. <laughs> that's their advantage. But every other, not, not every franchise has that advantage. Like, like your Assassin's Creed, like your Far Cries, like your Starfields. So... We need to be careful, otherwise it's just like, how big can we make this game? No, it's not about how big you can make it, it's about how good you can make it. So It ain't about the size, it's about the quality. <laughs> I want to make a joke here so bad, but I won't! <laughs> so, yeah, let's just, we need to learn our lessons in, especially if, you, if you've been paying attention to various industries this week, it's absolutely been about learning lessons that you should have learned a long time ago, Dizzy. So let's let's you know curb back these open world titles so that they if you have them opened they have a lot of stuff to fill it you know make it an actual open world not just an open area that you can just happen to wander through okay thank you and with that we're in this episode of the Nintendo Ten podcast what do you think about the open world debate and how it should be handled in the future and what games do you feel are the perfect examples for a meaningful and content-filled world that you love to explore over and over again. Let us know in the comments below, as well as what you think about the revelation about Tears of the Kingdom with the Sheikah Slate. Are you excited for Super Mario Bros. Wonder when it comes out next week? Uh, what, where are you on the Princess Peach face controversy, which is not a thing I thought I would ever say. <laughs> Add that to my bingo card. <laughs> and do you agree that Hideki Kamiya's uh, non-complete clause is really bullcrap? Let us know in the comments below. So, for Skull Kid Scott and Warriorville, I am Triforce Todd. Ladies and gentlemen, we are out of time. We are not out of lives. We made it to the end of the level. So, raise the flag. <laughs>